Welcome to UX Soup, where we go beyond the buzzwords and talk about the latest user research, technology innovation, and all things impacting user experience of personal devices and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm, providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Lisa Cooper, and today we're going to return to the world of healthcare. But this time, we're going to discuss the role of virtual and augmented reality in the space. The role of virtual and augmented reality systems are proving their worth in several ways within healthcare. For example, in educating clinicians and patients through the simulations of surgeries or medical processes, reducing pain or anxiety or remotely rehabilitating patients. Today, we're talking with Dr. Payal Gatnakar. She's currently working as a technology research lead, conducting user research and evaluations of virtual and augmented reality at Torbay and South Devon NHS Foundation Trust in England. We'll be talking to her about her role, the kinds of challenges and successes of her work and her vision of the future. So with that, let's get stuck into this topic. Welcome to the show, Payal. Hi, nice to be on here. Yay, nice to have you. So could you tell me a bit more about your role there within the NHS? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I work at the Torbay Hospital as uh, the Immersive Technology Research Lead. And my role involves evalu uh, looking at the evaluations of VR interventions that we currently have, but also providing guidance around uh, VR research strategy to the overall NHS um, organization. So uh, it's not just an evaluation role, but I also look at horizon scanning, like how can we get more funding? How can we collaborate with academics, learn more and improve? And also, one of the main roles that I have is um, I have to make information accessible for others within the NHS organization because clinicians usually don't have time. So we have to write down use cases that are easy to understand. And uh, over the past couple of years during COVID, one of the things I learned was how to use uh, innovation methodologies to describe all this innovation that is occurring within the hospital right now. Um, so it's a variety of different things that I do, but primarily my background is in persuasive technology, which is the evaluation of technologies for behavior change. And that is what I bring to this uh, role. That sounds like a monumental task. NHS is such a large organization. Yeah, it is. It is massive. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of different people to, to sort of yeah. uh, get involved. Of different people. And that means your information that you put out there needs to be accessible for everybody because you're interacting with so many different types of people. Yeah. And what has happened... Um, from the beginning is VR was uh, the direction that VR has taken is mostly dictated by people who are developing VR. And that means some of the times the language can be a bit uh, confusing for uh, somebody who has never encountered VR before. Right. And um, coming uh, when you look at uh, universities as well, they have been investigating VR, but again, they have their own way of putting things across. And uh, as you know, NHS has like, everything is uh, quite stressful, especially over the past two years yeah. so uh, it is really important to make sure that um, people are excited about these technologies and we can do that by making sure that they understand uh, the impact that these technologies will have so we have to make information accessible going on from that uh, would you say that these that's kind of a challenge in your role at the um, NHS? Well, is that one of the challenges you face uh 
I guess one of the challenges that I face is uh, clinicians just don't have time, even though there is this technology that is available. They're yeah. just so busy that you can't expect them to uh, quickly come on board and implement these technologies within their pathways. Yeah. So that is a challenge that is probably experienced across the world. I've spoken with uh, people who are working in um, VR research across different countries, and everybody has that same problem, that there is this technology and we have lots of use cases, but we also need uh, time from clinicians and nurses. So um, one of the ways to overcome that is to communicate with nurses because I feel they have a much closer relationship with patients. Mm. So they understand the importance of having uh, technologies like VR. Um, but yeah, that's uh, there are quite a few challenges, uh, but um, this is definitely one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. Would you say that's one of your top three, or are there any other challenges you face in your role? Oh, well, um, apart from that, we do have challenges around uh, things like ethics. Um, so mm. one of the things that I have been working on for the past three years that I've worked with the NHS is uh, figuring out how to get past ethics so which is why a lot of papers that you come across where they have used vr within the nhs settings they're often service evaluations because it's much easier for them to conduct service evaluations that doesn't require them to go through the um, health research authority ethics uh, but that also means they don't get to investigate um, investigate properly. They don't get data about uh, how the users are interacting because you can just ask basic questions about how to improve the service. And that is, uh, that is, I guess, my main challenge within this role is uh, figuring out how to get through that because um, the ethics forms that are currently available with the NHS, they are the ones that are used for clinical trials. And uh, right. VR is a non-invasive intervention, so we don't really have to go through the same process. So I wish things would change in the future. Yeah. Um, that would then support more research. So more clinicians would be interested in finding out how can we co-create with patients. Um, I think that's something that's lacking currently because we're just providing technology to people and getting their feedback from them. But it'd be nice to figure out how they're interacting with these technologies. Just for clarification, do you have an example, like a high level example that you are able to share with us about the ethics that you're talking about? Sure. Um, so before any research where you've, you're uh, getting responses from staff or patients, you need to go through ethics uh, with universities. If you're working with universities, the university has their own ethics board and NHS has their own, which is the Health Research Authority. Um, so if I wanted to conduct a service evaluation, which is where I would ask someone what they thought about this um, technology, it would be very easy for me. I can bring in a bunch of clinicians together, show them the headsets, ask them to experience something, and then ask them basic questions. But if I wanted to figure out uh, their perceptions and opinions and how this could change their behaviors, um, then I would need to go through ethics. Uh, so one of the examples I have is currently we are looking to conduct a trial on uh, in podiatry and we have VR as a pain and anxiety distraction intervention. Mm but we have to apply for ethics now because we will be collecting data from patients. And some of the questions I am interested in asking are around presence. So I want to know how their presence shifts, how it moves from the current uh, reality into the virtual reality, because when presence shifts, it sort of gives you an idea of how immersed somebody is. Yeah. And if they're immersed, it means that they are more likely to be distracted but also in the context of education and learning, uh, being immersed would mean that they may be able to perform their task better. 
So right. it's important to ask these questions and I think they're missing. So I look at literature all the time. That's my job. I'm constantly looking at what sort of papers are out there. But if you look at uh, things that are out there, most of them are quite basic. And I think it's because of how difficult it is to conduct research with patients. Moving on from the challenges, what kind of positive impacts have you seen from doing your research? Oh, wow. Uh, so I have been working uh, with within healthcare VR for about six years. So I started off as a postdoctoral uh, candidate at Plymouth University, and then I worked with Falmouth University. But when I was working at Plymouth University, I was working alongside Torbay, and now I am working at Torbay. So I have seen things change a lot, quite drastically as well, because in the beginning, we had the Google Cardboard headsets, yes. which were very basic, <laughs> yes. but everybody was still excited. However, I have seen students use them and the fact that I asked them questions about what they thought about the fidelity. Now, when I look back at it, I just feel like, what was that? Because those headsets were horrible. They used to make <laughs> me feel motion, uh, motion sickness. So I'm sure most people were experiencing the same. Um, but one of the positive things that I have seen happen, not just because of me, but overall research community, is that things are changing. People are more interested in finding out how can we apply theoretical models to evaluations. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, it was all about just basic questions about what do you feel? How do you feel sick? Is it comfortable? And now I think people are more interested in finding out how these technologies are impacting behaviors, if they are creating any long-term changes, if it's leading to knowledge retention. So what are the learning outcomes? So I think the whole um, industry is changing. There is a lot of interest in research, but the overall NHS strategy is also changing. So we work alongside Health Education England. And uh, over the past year, I have seen a lot of interest in trying to figure out how can we evaluate these interventions. Because once we're able to evaluate them properly, it would mean that we would have use cases that hospitals can then use to I guess to figure out whether making that kind of an investment is useful or not. Yeah. And what kind of implications it would have on staff productivity. So it's I think things are changing a lot. The perspective is changing. More people are interested in building data. Do you have any sense of why that's happened? Does this happen because of COVID or I don't think it's happened because of COVID. I think things were already in motion over the past uh, several years, so the past five, six years. And um, I think things are also changing because headsets have become more affordable, yeah. so more people are able to access them. So in the beginning, we had the Samsung Galaxy VR, which was quite affordable. But then we started using the HTC Vive and the mm -hmm. Oculus Rift, mm -hmm. and those were tethered headsets, and they were very difficult to use within classroom environments because you had to make sure that a technician was available. And um, you couldn't just rely on some educator to run that session because things could go wrong. But now with the Oculus Quest, I think it's become more accessible. So if people have technology, they are more likely to be interested in figuring out how it can help them. Yeah. I think also past the stage where people were curious about technology, now they're more interested in how is this beneficial for me? Yeah. and my organization. How is it going to help my patients? How is it going to help us deal with all the backlog? So how are we making patients feel empowered? How are we helping them prevent and manage their conditions? So I think the perspective itself is changing within healthcare. If you look at it, even with the introduction of AI and um, all the accessible technology, the wearable technology, I think the perspective is changing towards making sure that patients feel empowered yeah. And mm -hmm. PR is one of the tools that may help in that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
So have you, um, do you have an example where your evaluations uh, demonstrated positive results from the VRAR um, interventions that you've applied? Yeah, so um, as I said, I have been working as a postdoc as well, and uh, we were conducting research around empathy. So we conducted some studies with um, medical students to look at the change in their empathy communication. And it was quite visible that there was a change in the way they communicated empathy. Uh, another research that we looked at was uh, within the context of uh, teamwork, uh, so effective team communication uh, within chaotic environments like the IC ICU environment. Right. So yeah. we did try to find out um, how people felt about this technology and also whether they would think that VR would be useful as an educational technology for teaching effective communication within healthcare. So we found some data on that as well. And at present, we are working on a variety of different studies. But over the past two years, one of our challenge has been COVID. So yeah. because of COVID, a lot of patient research was put on hold because it was not priority. Yeah. So that meant we had to uh, work on other things in research. So um, we, um, we finished a paper on the use of different uh, VR technologies uh, within the context of COVID. So we're publishing this paper and the paper has looked at um, how easily VR was adopted across um, the hospital and how useful it was. So we had lots of interventions for donning doffing PPE, helping um, staff communicate with uh, patients while wearing PPE. There were also some instructions around the changing layouts of the hospital. So all of this was filmed within 360 VR. And um, that's again, a bunch of case studies that are out there. Oh, and sounds, um, I've also conducted a literature review of about 104 different VR interventions in healthcare. So I've looked at how they have evaluated these interventions and I have a lot of um, data on um, the gaps within literature and practice and what can be done to improve this practice in the future. So that's ready to be published as well. So for those interested in reading your results, where would they access those publications? Uh, we have uh, the NHS publications uh, online, but most of our studies are part of service evaluation, so they end up becoming use cases. So we do have uh, some cases that we have contributed towards the XR strategy paper that came out last year. So um, Health Education England and NHS X have put together the UK XR strategy, so we were able to contribute our use cases towards that. So that's a great place to learn more about not just our work, but also how other trusts within the NHS have been working with XR. So I have a question um, about the empathy case studies yeah. that you were talking about. Just to clarify, are you talking about um, having people where the virtual reality become immersed in a situation that replicates what a patient is experiencing so that they can understand their experiences? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, one of the earliest uh, works that came from the Torbay Hospital. Uh, so my colleague, Nick Perez, he is an expert in VR and this was his brainchild. Mm -hmm. And it it is a 360 film that takes the user, the viewer, across a journey from their home through to the emergency ward. And they communicate with the paramedics, they communicate with the nurses and doctors. So they're different communication styles. And it was important to get the students to look at which communication style is more comforting? Yeah. 
because mm -hmm. the nurses are the most comforting the way they speak it assures the patient and that may have implications on the patient's outcomes so it's important to change our language and that was um, i think that also helped in leading a tor based strategy around xr so we specialize in non technical skills and that that sort of came out of that uh, using vr for teaching empathy yeah, so valuable, so valuable for them to experience yeah, being in someone else's shoes. Also, if you look at medical students, their uh, empathy levels tend to go down as they um, spend more years in education. And it's a result of burnout oh, because mm -hmm. they're experiencing these things over and over again. And as a person, you can only take in so much. Yeah. So I think we need to find a middle ground. We also cannot uh, overburden our health workers by... Yeah. making them feel too much empathy yeah that's also a thing yeah so i imagine covid also hasn't had an effect on burnout as well oh of course yeah. so during covid um our team uh, designed some vr interventions that were available within the well-being room so we have some headsets that are paired with massage chairs and the <laughs> staff who uh, wanted a short break for about 15 minutes, they could just come and relax in that massage room and uh, get transported into uh, virtual worlds. There is a VR intervention that was contributed to us by Birmingham University, and it is um, it is a nature experience narrated by Sir David Attenborough. Oh, lovely. Lovely. It's really beautiful and it's so calming. Uh, it, you can also access it online, so you can have a look online. And it's one of the most relaxing experiences. And it's 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 not everything, but it's something. I feel in the grand scheme of things to just relax people for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I think that can change your mindset as well. It's just like doing deep breathing for about 20 minutes and then you just feel better. So I think um, VR works that way. And sometimes we just forget how to do that when you're in um, a situation where you're stressed for a long period of time. Sometimes I can't even imagine what the health workers were going through because my role is not frontline, but yeah. I can, yeah, it's uh, just being, I guess in a way I, um, when COVID happened as an NHS worker, I felt I wasn't able to contribute. But then when I just wrote this paper, I felt like I, I was able to contribute a little bit. So it makes you feel good that in you were just able to give a little. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I hope it continues and I hope it's adopted uh, across more hospitals. So what would your um, vision for XR be in the future for healthcare? Is this something you want more of this kind of thing or are there other things that you'd like to see in the healthcare uh, space? One of the things that I am personally very interested in is getting patients on board uh, speaking with them, trying to figure out how can we improve these experiences, because currently whatever is being offered to the patients is what clinicians are thinking of or what the um, technicians, the developers have come up with. We need to get the patients involved in this conversation. And I think that will happen once the headsets become more affordable and easily accessible. So Oculus is going in that direction. But again, we have the issues with data privacy and um, yes. healthcare you know, you don't want patient data to be out there. So there are lots of concerns around handing out headsets to patients. If we hand them out, are the patients going to have an accident at home? Will they trip and will they will it cause more problems? So there are some things to look at. But I think we are going in that direction where um, we will have, um, I guess, patients will feel more empowered and all of us are patients at some point. Yeah. And it would feel so good to have something that... Um, I guess, keeps us connected with healthcare. 
because even with telehealth, just being able to see your doctor in VR, um, it's a different experience than seeing them just on the screen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I think we are going in the right direction, but I also think technology will change a lot. I think it's going to go beyond just the headset. It may become part of the mobile. It may be something else, but we are going in that direction. Well, I'm excited to see what you do next. I am very excited as well. I'm excited for the NHS because there is just so much opportunity for change and just using VR to improve our processes. So it's very good because now um, we have we are seeing a lot of interest from NHS X as well. That has um, become their core agenda where they're trying to figure out how can we look at um, the ROI of uh, investing in VR. And I have looked at the literature and these studies are still missing. So there are lots of things that we need to cover. Um, And it would be very useful to figure that out. Yeah, the health economics aspect. And that's very important that the fact that the organization is putting that more central um, to the way they're doing healthcare. That's something that seems to have changed since uh, the pandemic. Definitely coming uh, from uh, higher ups as well, from Health Education England as well. And it's nice to have that because it means everybody is on board and everybody is interested in it. Um, Let's just see where our future takes us. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Payal. Well, thanks a lot. Oh, uh, this was interesting. Was I love talking about our work. And if anybody wants to have a look online, all they have to do is just go and type in uh, Torbay VR and there's just tons that comes up. But also, um, if you can share the link to our XR paper, that would be great. People Absolutely. can have a look at all the things that NHS is doing. So it's just nice to know that this is happening within the UK because uh, UK is one of the world leaders in XR. Um Obviously, U.S. is doing far more greater things. But when you look at things, it's nice to know that all of this is happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being with me today and for sharing with me what you've been up to. This was great. If you would like to send us questions you may have, you can always email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. Show notes on our podcast website at ux-soup.com has links to Payal's research as well as our UX research on healthcare. There you can also connect with each of us on LinkedIn. A reminder that UX Soup is sponsored as always by Strachy Analytics. Check out the latest user-focused insights by visiting strachyanalytics.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now.